tuning in to the Open Door Ministry Breadcrumbs Podcast with me, your host, Barbara Smith. We are here to share our blog articles with you in an audio format. We know that people are very busy and constantly on the go, but we all still need daily inspiration in our lives. It is our goal to share a few thought-provoking morsels that will challenge you to stay actively engaged in the Word of God. His Word is the bread of life. Educated Idiot by Barbara Smith In the days and times we live in of political correctness, the mere use of the word idiot can make people outraged against you. However, this has not always been the case. The word idiot as we use it today is when we are referring to someone who is actually being silly, idiotic, or crazy, or doing something foolish that does not make much common sense or have any logic to it. But the word was in fact used in the past more liberally and directly referring to those who lacked understanding, brain power, reasoning ability, and who were known as feeble-minded. In ancient times, differences in physical stature or mental capacity would have been considered inferiorities and defects. Infants were often abandoned, and children who lived to be more than toddlers would be mocked, scorned, and used as entertainment. If they reached adulthood, they were, they were often kept as court jesters in royal circles. As the Middle Ages approached, fear and uncertainty surrounded them. They were considered threatening and pitiable all at the same time, and this brought with it asylums where they were often confined and did not live long. While others were taken in idiot cages to the town centers for sport or relegated to what they called ships of fools. Attempts were made during the late 1700s and the early 1800s to educate the blind and deaf, which opened the subject and question of whether the mentally retarded, also an abandoned term, could be educated. With medical advances and studies, this seemed to be feasible and brought with it the opening of more asylums. They were originally meant to be retreats or sanctuaries. However, they initially only housed and confined abandoned idiots and did not offer training of any kind. In 1817, the Quakers established a well-known asylum. It was considered the first privately owned mental hospital in the United States and was for the, quote, relief of persons deprived of the use of their reason, end quote. This was founded in Philadelphia, built on a 52-acre farm by those calling themselves Philadelphia Yearly Meeting of Friends, which they tried to make into a beautiful place. Mental illness at the time was vastly misunderstood and considered as criminal behavior. Lunatics or idiots were often beaten and chained up. They wanted to shed a different light on the subject, and with a new way of approaching care, they wanted to accommodate those who might not 
have reason, provide for them medically, and give them attention that would soothe their aggravated minds and facilitate their recovery. It is known as the Friends Hospital today and covers over 200 acres of land, which is beautiful, planted with azalea gardens, which was done mainly by one man who worked there all of his life until 1947. It established the first moral treatment of those with mental disabilities. Another such place was the New York State Asylum for Idiots in 1851, and Hervey B. Wilbur, M.D., was the first superintendent. It was for the care of mentally deficient children, also referred to as an asylum for lunatics. In 1891, it was renamed Syracuse State Institution for Feeble-Minded Children. Since many did not survive, there was a law passed that they would be able to purchase burial plots in Oakwood Cemetery for those who were referred to often as inmates who died while residing there. Edward Seagum, M.D., was a collaborating force in this method of training of whom Maria Montessori was a student, and this is where much of the Montessori method of training originates. This is a non-traditional method of teaching using toys to teach that have been designed for this purpose depending on the development of the child. Later known as the Syracuse State School, this method was considered to have been pioneered there. In 1923, after much advocacy for those with disabilities, special education became quite common in the United States and saw much success. However, we know that from 1883, even through the 1940s, the eugenics movement started by Francis Galton, Darwin's cousin, was also a rage and was not doing any favors for the disabled community and cause. This movement also became part of the Nazis' modus operandi and Hitler's attempt to make a super race. It was a dangerous attempt to try to play God. Apart from that, the 1950s to the 1990s saw more advocating for better care, legislation, education, and employment for those with disabilities. In 1990, the Americans with Disabilities Law was signed and became law. This caused many of the state institutions to close, be reduced in size, and they progressed to a more individualized learning and care with rights to advocate for themselves with the accommodations now allowed for them in society. It was not until January 28, 2013, that the terminology on the Federal Register was changed from mental retardation to intellectual disability. The proposal states, quote, Why are we changing the term mental retardation to intellectual disability? The term intellectual disability is gradually replacing the term mental retardation nationwide. Advocates for individuals with intellectual disabilities have rightfully asserted that the term mental retardation has negative connotations, has become offensive to many people, and often results in misunderstanding about the nature of the disorder of those who have it. End quote. 
That does not seem so long ago, and herein lies the issue with humanity. You can pass laws and tell them what to do, what to call others, and how they need to behave, but they will not always get the results for which you are hoping. There is a phrase that appears about five times in the scriptures with a few other derivatives that says, I would not that ye be ignorant. In these cases, Paul is stating that he wants the people, his audience, to be informed of certain topics concerning his situation, the gospel, and Christian living. However, just to have knowledge of something is not enough. There must be an understanding. Those who were discussed earlier were those who could not learn, retain knowledge, or understand what they were being taught. However, Paul is exhorting us to not be spiritual idiots as those who cannot learn or comprehend. The word understand in the Meridian-Webster Dictionary is as a transient verb. It would be one example to grasp the meaning of to understand Russian, for instance, or be to grasp the reasonableness of his behavior is hard to understand. C, another example, is to have thorough or technical acquaintance with or expertness in the particular practice of or understanding of finance. D, to be thoroughly familiar with the character and propensities of or to understand children. Number two is to accept as a fact or truth or regard as plausible without utter certainty. For instance, we understand that he is returning from abroad. Number three is to interpret in one of the number of possible ways as in a intransitive verb, to have understanding, have power of comprehension, or to achieve a grasp of the nature, significance, or explanation of something, or to believe or infer something to be the case, or to show a sympathetic or tolerant attitude towards something. Therefore, to say we understand the truth, we must take what we hear from the Word of God, submerge ourselves into it enough to put it to memory, which becomes knowledge, and subsequently comprehend or understand it. Have a grasp on its inferences. Be familiar with the nuances of it. Know the characteristics of what is being conveyed and believe that it is plausible, reasonable, and achievable. There are so many who stop with the reading or memorization and sell themselves short of understanding the word, which is what facilitates our deliverance from sin, gives us peace and joy that Jesus brings, and the power that we can have over sin in our lives through his Spirit. Mark chapter 8 verse 22 through 25 tells of a miracle of Jesus that had to do with knowledge versus understanding. And he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand, and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes, and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up, and he was restored and saw every man clearly. 
It was not just his literal sight that needed healing, but since he had never seen before, he needed an infusion of understanding of what he was going to be seeing. In Matthew 15, verse 10, Jesus states to his audience before he began to teach them, He said unto them, Hear and understand. It is of no lasting value if you have a brain full of information, but you have no understanding. Mark 7, verse 17 through 23 states, And when he was entered into the house from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. And he saith unto them, Are ye so without understanding also? Do ye not perceive that whatsoever thing from without entereth into the man, it cannot defile him, because it entereth not into his heart, but into the belly, and goeth out into the draught, purging the meats. That which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceeds evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and defile the man. The multitude's eyes were purposefully blinded for a time during the ministry of Jesus, but he was constantly reprimanding the disciples for not understanding because the privilege was extended to them to understand his teaching, yet they struggled with it also. 1 John 5.20 states, And we know that the Son of God is come, and hath given an understanding that we may know him that is true. And we are in him that is true, even in his Son Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Finally, this brings us to the term educated idiot from my title. There are those who are willfully ignorant. They are not idiots, as we spoke of in the beginning, or mentally disabled. They are able to learn, retain knowledge, and understand, but because they do not like what they are hearing and understanding, they reject it and dismiss it, and thereby become educated idiots. The setting aside of what they have learned and understood not only makes them fools, but also can become the thing that ultimately destroys them. An illustration could be, if you see a sign that states road closed, you know it is placed there for a reason because you are a driver, you have been taught the laws of the land, you can read English and you can understand that this means you should not Take your car past that point. You comprehend that even if you do not know what lies ahead. If you choose to ignore the sign, you will face the consequences of the danger that is ahead. It could be a road out, a bridge out, a tree blocking the road with no way to turn around, or even a cliff. You could name possible dangers all night long, but the choice to obey the sign remains in the hands of the driver. The one that goes beyond that point is doing so willfully and with understanding. This could be their demise. Second Peter 3, 3-7 states, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts and saying, 
Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they are willingly ignorant of what by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that was then was being overflowed with water, perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, is kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. These were scoffers, and just pretending and acting like they were dumb and could not understand. Did they possibly think they could change the outcome? If so, they were wrong, because God is not mocked. He knows the heart and mind of all men, and knows those who can and cannot understand, and those who are willfully ignorant. James 1.22-25 tells us, but be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man should be blessed in his deed. By seeing your face is dirty when you look in the mirror and walk away without washing it does not change anything. Your face is still dirty and in fact you are then viewed as an idiot when you are acting like you are all that in a bag of chips. Having knowledge and following through with actions and understanding is what changes things and becomes your salvation. A story is written in English literature called To Build a Fire by Jack London. The gist of the story is the man was on a journey to visit his boys at a camp miles away, but the temperature was 50 below zero. Throughout the lengthy telling of the journey, he is continually telling himself that he should not be out in the weather. He should build a fire and rest. He must be careful because he could fall into water that may be disguised by snow, and he could even freeze to death. He knows the geography. He knows the science of it. He knows the consequences of the choices he is making. However, he never follows through. Ultimately, he does fall into the creek, must remove his wet socks and shoes, but before he can, he is already becoming numb. He tries to pull off his gloves to find his matches to build the fire, but he has waited so long that he is losing sensation in his feet and hands and cannot feel the matches. Though he tries, he is not successful in the end of being able to get kindling together for a fire because his hands are freezing. He gets a hold of the matches and uses them in bulk just to try to keep warm, and never gets a fire started. As you have already guessed, he never makes it to the camp. What made him think he would be impervious to the weather? What made him think he could beat the odds? We should never think we know better than God. We should not try to play the fool. God will judge us and reward us according to the abilities he knows we have and what we have done with them. 
not by what we try to demonstrate as our best effort. We should educate ourselves, yes, but also embrace understanding by following through. Wash your face if it is dirty. Do not continue forward if you see the road close sign. And make a fire if you find yourself in uninhabitable freezing weather. When you understand what the Word of God is telling you to do, obey it. God will not change His mind, no matter how clever you think you are or how much better you think your ideas are. His ways are higher than our ways, and we need Him desperately every day. Regarding spiritual things, do not be mentally retarded, intellectually disabled, or an educated idiot. Thanks for joining us today. We trust you have been nourished and blessed. Always remember the Lord is faithful and His mercies are new every morning. Until next time, God bless.